You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. There's super moms all over the place. But this is about super dads. Sea dragons and a little bit on seahorses. Yes. What can they teach us? And he provides oxygen and nutrition through basically a placenta-like structure until he gives birth. I mean, and he actually... That's concerning. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie's favorite, back to the ocean. I know, I've really become a, <laughs> well I shouldn't say I've become an ocean fan. I've always been a, a water fan. I'm a, my birth month is July, so my right. sign is a cancer, so I'm definitely a water okay. baby. Grown up, yeah. on, I grew up on Lake Michigan and obviously now I live in Florida, so not on the ocean, but about 45 minutes. One way or an hour and 20 right, minutes the other close. way. You're close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up on the ocean. You know, yeah, you're definitely so. an ocean. Well, you're an ocean and mountain guy, probably, I would imagine. Being, yeah, yeah. Being I grew California. up in mountains, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but done it both. That's that's why everybody lives there. Because you can go skiing <laughs> one day and then go surfing in the afternoon or the next. That's so incredible. It's kind of a crazy climate. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Now, this is our official 50th episode. What? Even though we've done, yeah, we've done close to 70, but oh. by my numbering, and then I gave up on that crazy numbering. I was doing like 13 and 13A or 14 and 14A. Yeah, I think we you were, were taking it like too scientific. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I just said, nope, just episodes, started numbering it. So this is our official, quote unquote, 50th episode. Well, and I, drum roll. Yes. Bugged you to do because you've been so talking about super moms. I haven't so talked about doing super moms. The, for the 50th. Yes, and there's many. I mean, trust me, there's super moms all over the place. But this is about super dads, sea dragons, and a little bit on seahorses. Yes, yes. No, this is an excellent episode, so please stay with us. You're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and hopefully learn a lot about the sea dragon. All of us, most people, I'm sure, very well versed on seahorses, but Mm -hmm. today we're covering the leafy sea dragon right right and you know i want to give a shout out to super moms i mean species you've covered i don't know why honey badger always comes to my mind but you know pretty much every species we've covered blue whale and the porpoises and the dolphins i mean those moms are amazing i mean they dads come in they do their thing i mean you know dads do help out You, you do touch upon that but anyways today is the focus you know is super dads because you're going to learn in reproduction when Angie gets there that the dads are pregnant and they care for the eggs in a brood pouch. So we'll get there. We'll get there. It's pretty cool. Now, I will say, if you want to stick through the podcast at the very end, this was something that came up because they're called Sea Dragons. And my son has been bugging me, too. He's been going, Dad, dra- I wish dragons were real. And I'm always like, son, they're they are real. And, you know, we talk about one of these species near me and he's like, that's not a real dragon. I want one that flies. So we're doing one that glides in the water, right? So yeah, pretty much floats through the water. I don't, you know, close. Yeah. Yeah. Close. 
But there are dragons that fly, so I will get to it at the end, and we'll go through a list of other dragons around the Earth. Oh, okay. So we're going to count how many other dragons there are besides the leafy sea dragon. Yes, yes, yes. Now, you did say leafy. Leafy, by far, is the most beautiful of these. By far. I mean, just, wow. I will say, I... I'm not going to counter that. I'm just going to add a clause. I think they're mm-hmm. the most fancy and ornate. They yes. are probably one of the most detail-oriented, decorated, bedazzled. Is that a word? I think that's a word. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah it's that's a, a good one. There you go. Do they bedazzle their sneakers or something, right? So oh, you do that. I, I saw that jacket. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, Chris. It was a bedazzled You're from the 80s. A, a bedazzled horse head. <laughs> I would totally wear yes, that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, as long as it's not hot pink, but uh, bedazzled like yeah, green yeah, yeah. and blue and purple uh, horse jacket mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, yes, no. So the leafy is brilliant. It is ornate. Mm-hmm. It is delicate, intricate. Um, it looks basically just like the kelp that it's swimming in. Yes. It's amazing. It is so amazing. amazing. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. But looking at uh, the other, there's three sea dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, Neither of the other two species, the weedy sea mm-hmm. dragon, which is not a very nice, I guess because it lives in the weeds, right? Weedy sea well, dragon. Well, they, they call, yeah, they call it the common, you know, the common, oh, the common. sea dragon okay. or the Lucas sea dragon. Cause I think some Lucas discovered it probably. Oh, but. okay. But mm-hmm. those are not as detailed mm-hmm. as far as their, the structures or the appendages that mm-hmm. come out of them to camouflage, to help them camouflage, but. Their colors are a little bit more oh, striking, yeah. can be more striking. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and, and then the ruby red dragon that was recently discovered mm-hmm. just in 2017, mm-hmm. was it? 15, and it was Scripps. Ha ha ha. Back ah, here at hometown, California. La Jolla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Scripps, yeah, that DNA evidence. Now, it, maybe it was a couple years later when they finally made the announcement, but sure. Yeah. That it was its own mm-hmm. species. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so those, so. yeah, they're, they're all, we'll put, we'll put, uh, some links and photos up on the show notes. They're all beautiful, but yes, moving back to this leafy sea dragon. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, I will say, Chris, it is the most spectacular and probably mysterious ocean fish. <laughs> I think. Okay. I'm sure now. I was going to put, uh, I'm going to even go higher. Oh. I'm going to say this is the most beautiful animal we could cover and have covered. I love my elephants. I love my, you know, blue whales and, you know, we just did hippos. I mean, I love them too. And like Fiona, just that baby. But anyways, when you look at this thing, I just, your jaw drops. You're like, wow, that biology created this. Yes. That's, that's what I, I just kept thinking, what an interesting evolutionary path. And it makes so much sense for where they live, Mm -hmm. but what a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting resources or genetics or whatever it is to their appearance, which is just mm-hmm, incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and they're of course close le- relatives of the seahorses. You're right. They do look like seahorses and, and that's a, a great description. You know, they're part of the family when I get to evolution here in a minute of seahorses and pipefish. So when you think of a seahorse, and I think most people know kind of what a seahorse looks like. But they have this really long pipe of a nose. That's why they're called pipe fish. And they, you know, how would you describe like the seahorse? They don't, so like instead of a seahorse that's up and down, these ones are more sternal or on mm-hmm. their stomachs. Mm-hmm. And the leafies are generally going to be brown or yellow in body color to even have mm-hmm. a little olive tint to some of their appendages. And similar to seahorses, I would probably say they have a series of hard exoskeleton like rings around its entire body. And of course it's snout as well. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Chris. They're definitely, they're, they almost look like they're on their belly. And then from almost every direction, they have these broad flat appendages that look like branches of seaweed or plates that surround their body. Right. They, and, absolutely. Yeah. And along with these appendages, they have several sharp spines that can aid in the defense against predators. And some researchers do say that their color can vary depending on, of course, their diet and their location and environmental stressors. But most mm-hmm. of the videos and photos I was looking at, they are this yellow-ish color, yellow-greenish, yellow-brown to look, to blend into their, the sea kelp or the sea grasses 
that they live in. It's almost like they got an S-shaped body, I guess. On on, uh, I'm just trying to think of you know. Yeah, how it's to almost like the a, I guess yeah, if you tip maybe a seahorse yeah. forward, maybe on its belly. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good way. Yeah, and they do have a couple interesting physiology. Their eyes are like chameleons, mm. and they can look in different directions. Oh, interesting. You know, so one eye can be looking forward, one eye can be looking back. You know, so they can move independent of each other. Yeah. And so they have really good eyesight. I will say too that their tails are not prehensile like a seahorse. Right. Like we all a seahorse mm-hmm. can use that to grab. Yeah, yeah. that holds onto the grasses or whatever we've seen. Well, and Chris, I keep calling these beautiful structures that are growing out of their body or the tops, bottoms, sides mm-hmm. as appendages, but that's inappropriate technically because they don't mm-hmm. move. They're basically just like ornate branches with leaves. Yeah. It's just crazy. They don't it's move crazy. at all. And what in general, the leafy sea dragon or sea dragons in general aren't huge swimmers. They're more like Chris mentioned earlier in the pod floaters, but they do have really, they do have, they have almost translucent fins behind. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine where their ears would be, I don't know if they actually have mm-hmm. ears. I'm not sure about fish, uh, or let alone sea dragons, but they're behind their head, right behind their eyes. These little mm-hmm. cute little mm-hmm. fins that basically never stop moving, but predators can't see them because they're translucent. And then they also have the same, I guess it would be like dorsal fins along their lower back. So of course it can move left or right. They're not, they're not, it's not like they can't move. Uh, and they, they use these fins, but these ornate appendages or leaves like structures that are all over their body just are just there. They're not, they, they can't. Yeah. Move. Fish can hear. They just different hearing ranges. So seahorses okay. can, can hear. And now we're not experts, obviously, in seahorses or, or some of how fish hear, but <laughs> I, I want to be after this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This was, it was, I guess I didn't realize it was the 50th episode, but I know you've been wanting to do sea dragons or I thought seahorses. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And then I thought of the sea dragons uh, and I just was like, we got to yeah, do these ones. And. And I've just been having so much fun that, uh, well, I've been having fun the past few days because a few days prior to that, I, I had come down with probably like a 24 hour bug flu or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, my eyeballs and my, my hair actually hurt <laughs> underneath, uh, underneath my kneecaps. Yeah, it, hurt. it was, bad. it was not fun whatsoever. And so, but then I was really happy because nobody in my house had gotten sick until early this morning yeah. when Xander, my four and a half year old, Went from a hundred miles an hour to crashing. Crashing, yeah, it's, it hits you hard. <laughs> and vomiting, and all we could do is sit and watch cartoons on the couch. A lot of uh, nature shows, yeah. like Nature Cat, yeah. and of course, um, there's a great one here in, in the states called Wild Kratts. Yep, and yep. It's, there's zoologists that go mm-hmm. on adventures. So we watched a lot of that today. Yeah. But during that time, I was just watching videos of leafy sea dragons. <laughs> Yeah, they are amazing. They, I saw them first at the Tampa Aquarium in Florida. So, wow, I, I know okay, you've seen the, them. Yeah, there's a few around, and I didn't know that they existed. I mean, I, I walk in, you see these things, the leafy sea dragons. My jaw hit the ground. I was like, "What are these?" And right, wow. Now doing some of the research into them, it is just amazing. They're amazing. They're, they're, very, they're gorgeous. They're very special. They're very special, yeah. and just. Uh, briefly, they, they live in depths of about five to 15 meters. And once mm-hmm. again, they can live in clear water, low light conditions, prominent vegetation, seagrass meadows, seaweed beds, rocky, re- rocky reefs. Mm-hmm. And they are endemic to Chris's neighborhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, near me. See, now I know why I picked it. <laughs> no, now <laughs> you and Ashley have a, um, uh, uh, scuba diving date to go see I know, these guys. Man. I know, I know, I know. Seriously. And I talked. And I talk about, oh, sharks aren't scary, da, 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 da. But like Adelaide and that parts of Australia is like the number one great white shark right. so, in the right. world. <laughs> yes. Decla- Again, no, I know. To clarify, it's the uh, the south coast of Australia, yes. right? So the whole yes. southern coast of Australia, which, right. Right, which is very, very much so well known for the great whites. Although I read an article that they're disappearing from there. So I'll have to. Oh, that's check that out. Sad. But, but it, I mean, you know, I love them. I, but this, sharks. Is in, I, this is in five or 15 meters of water. So I think you're pretty safe. 
No, that's like, I've heard uh, down to 50 or 160 feet. I mean, that's like 30 feet. That uh, Great White can swim right through that, no problem. Oh, you're right. I was thinking of um, a feet, not meters. Sorry. You're right. No way. Yeah. I'm not going 15 meters off the coast. Especially of they're like, they, without you know, a cage. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, no we'll uh-huh. be okay. I'm just kidding. Like, it's so rare, but it is the Great White Hotspot. Actually, the number one place in the world is near you in Florida for shark attacks. Like, you know, not huge great white attacks, but bull sharks, spinner sharks, other sharks. It's, it's like, uh, near Port St. Lu- uh, Port St. Lucie. Right. That's where they, they accident, they take a little bite of you and they're like, Oh my God, you taste <laughs> like a McDonald's shark. hamburger, Chipotle, <laughs> Starbucks coffee. No. Drink, and then they let go. We taste horrible. Exactly. No, they, we taste horrible. It's like eating garbage. Exactly. Like, so <laughs> I'm sure. So yeah. I know I'm obviously it's scary to whoever it happens to, but yeah, I don't think there's yeah. a lot of fatalities. Due to sharks in Florida. Yeah, it's really rare. One one a year. And you're US, way, way, way more likely to die from being kicked by a cow. So there's okay. there's <laughs> that. This morning in New Zealand, some lady got trampled by cows and some guy like went to go help her in Auckland and <clears throat> there were cows rampaging all over the place. It was funny. Anyways, I was just, it made me think of, you know, it's sad, but the people that get killed by cows. I oh, mean, cows yeah. are more dangerous than Absolutely. sharks. <laughs> so, um, but you're right. The, the common sea dragon, their range is, is from West to East Australia, all along the South around Tasmania, the leafy sea dragon, not quite far West or around Tasmania. Now again, Tasmania is the Island. That's part of South East Australia under there. There's, there's the, the Strait and then the Tasmanian Island. The reds are, since they're so new, they don't know. I mean, similar habitat, mm-hmm. just a little bit deeper is okay. what I read on the discovery. So these are where sea dragons are. Now, seahorses, they range all over the world sure. in tropical, warmer oceans. That That's where they like to do. And now these sea dragons, they're medium in size. They're, from what I think of a seahorse, they're typically going to be bigger than a seahorse. Mm-hmm. And they can grow up to 13.8 inches um, or anywhere from 30 centimeters to 50 centimeters in length. Or mm-hmm. uh, one website was nice. It said about the size of two teacups. It must have been an English website. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're bigger. bigger. Mm-hmm. They're bigger. They're not, they're not tiny little, no. little things. They're, they're bigger mm-hmm. fish, uh, mm-hmm. in the ocean. So, you know, and I know how we opened it. You know, we're going back to the ocean, but you know, even though, and we'll get to conservation later in them. They're still at risk. You know, what's going on in the oh, oceans? Oh, absolutely. They're at risk. Yeah. And we'll talk about that and right. conservation, some of their threats. Well, and then I just read, yeah. And then one of the things I read, you know, thinking about, you know, why should we care about sea dragons? It, there's only three species that we know of. Correct. There could be more because of the 40, 47 species of seahorses, 14, 14, Ange, almost a quarter of them were discovered in just the last eight years. Wow. Wow, I didn't like, know that. That's that's incredible. insane. Yeah, that's I saw, incredible. I saw that factoid. I was like, they found fourteen of them. Well, that this rate, that so, means they're going to find another one in the next year or so. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, the oceans are at risk. Again, another cog in the machine in keeping nature in balance, right? Sure. I mean, that's just well, what and, they do. Yeah, and they're important predators on bottom dwelling organisms. And so, and we'll talk about that nutrition, but mm-hmm. removing them once again will probably disrupt coastal ecosystems in these, in these grass beds. And, and in regards to seahorses, switching gears a little bit, uh, with seahorses, sea they're actually an important source of income and food for many fisheries around the world. And mm-hmm. if you're going to b- protect seahorses or seahorse habitat or sea dragon habitat, you're also going to mm-hmm. protect many other species in that ecosystem as well. And more mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. I think to the sea dragon and probably seahorses as well. But in Australia, it's been made the official fish emblem of Southern Australia. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's huge with recreational di- divers as far as trying to see them. And now there's actually different dive sites and tours that are directly mm-hmm. for sea dragon. You're right. So if there are people out there diving, I'm sure it's safe. And I, when I go to Oz, I will make sure to plan a trip to Adelaide and go on a boat and 
jump in and out and see my sea dragons because exactly. it would be cool. And and the videos you were talking about, I'll provide them links in the show notes because I watched a couple of them, you know, diving, looking for them and then looking in the kelp beds and then finding one. Yeah. You know, well, so. And Chris, I think the the other really, I mean, you touched on the beginning of the pod, but the other really important reason to care about seahorses, especially if you're a physiologist, reproductive biologist, dork like myself, is mm-hmm. they're extremely crazy and unique male reproductive uh yeah, yeah. Uh, super dad super dad yeah sorry the word couldn't it was like i'm like blowing it's like no, blowing my mind. like what it's okay like superheroes i guess yeah just they, they're just yeah such a unique it's very fascinating mm-hmm. it's so unique and it's very unique oh. there's no other species that do what they do yeah. and so therefore from a from a i guess wanting to look at their genes mm-hmm. maybe trying to understand more about reproduction and what genes turn on what right. as far as ma- maternal genes anyways things like that uh there's a lot that we don't know about them and so it'd be really sad if they were all wiped out before we could understand yeah they it's and, understand them more and we're jumping ahead a little bit to, but it is so amazing it does have an effect on everything i agree with you the trying to understand why they develop that mating strategy what benefits it gives Correct. them because you know just jumping ahead real quick to evolution I read that these are one of the, the quickest adapting animals on earth. That, oh, really? Yeah, they, they evolve okay. very quickly. And I mean, hence all, hence all the leafy appendages when they right. live in leafy, yeah, <laughs> leafy grasses. Beds. Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. And you think about how natural selection works. You know, it's the ones that develop these leafy appendages. Maybe they were little at first, but they hid better. And so the ones that didn't have them got picked off. So these ones that had them bred, and then the ones that had more elaborate, they bred, and the other ones got picked off. And over time, mm-hmm. you evolved this incredible, incredible looking animal. Now, the the sea dragon's genus is Philoteryx, and the leafy sea dragon, I think you would like this one, is uh, Philoteryx equus or equus ah <laughs> or equis. yes horse yes yeah that's what i thought horse is pretty funny mm-hmm. the uh common is taniolatus so p taniolatus okay. anyways the family okay was is interesting so this is the family is is signathidae and these oh, are the pipefish seahorses and sea dragons Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I do at night, Angel. I practice <laughs> over and over. <laughs> I, yes, I need, I need to start doing that. My enunciation. I'm not kidding you. I write these out horrible. and I practice them because I know I have to say them. But there's over 215 species. So, you know, 47 seahorse, three sea dragons. So 50 of them are the seahorses or dragons. And then 150 plus, 165 are the pipefish. Yeah, I've been able to actually see pipefish when I've been snorkeling or diving. I've never seen a seahorse, though, or obviously a sea dragon, as I haven't been to your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I remember. But definitely on the bucket list, for sure. Yeah, I I remember seeing pipefish for sure in Hawaii when I was there. Um, Oh, yeah. And then I, when I dove the Great Barrier Reef, this was uh, so long ago. Yeah, it was, uh, 2006 is when I went. So 12 Uh years ago or something like that. And yeah, I didn't, I don't remember seeing any of them, but yeah, they're, they're just crazy. Cause they all have these long tube like snouts and pipefish usually were, when I remember it, they were up near the surface, you know, zipping around. Yeah. But, it just, there's just, it just makes them look so charming. This yeah. cute long nose. I mean, once again, I'm anthropomorphizing it yeah. with uh, <laughs> yeah. putting my human Angie touch on it, but they're just so, it's almost like they have like a little, like a trumpet for a nose. Yeah, I mean, yeah there you go. Thing. There you go. It's like a trumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, they're just the little tiny mouths. And, you know, like you said, they, they, that armor plating, they all kind of have that. And, you know, they're, they're not strong swimmers. None of these are. No. Mm-mm. You know, and they live around reefs or kelp beds and in warmer oceans. And then they're all super dads. All of them. Mm-hmm. Pipefish too. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. They're all super dads for sure. Yeah. It's awesome. Now, the sea dragons, we'll get to conservation on them. They're not critically endangered or endangered, but there are many species of seahorses. So the one I looked at was the Greek nine spine stickleback is critically okay. endangered. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. No, in fact, yeah. for as far as seahorses are concerned, there's 42 mm-hmm. species of seahorses listed on the IUCN red list of threatened species. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so it's real yeah. crisis point in the oceans. And there's around 30 scientists that study wild seahorse populations around the world. Mm-hmm. So that's not very many. No, 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 not really. If for one, you know, one, one like genus of, of animal, mm-hmm. you know, only 30, that's it. Correct. So, and yeah, that's kind of sad. Ugh. Because I mean, you know, looking at their evolution, the, the sea dragons, uh, you know, these, pipefish and seahorses just to start out again you know we've, we've done some fish but fish evolution spans over 400 million years right it's crazy long time ago yeah they've been here forever yeah, long 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 yeah they've been <sighs> here forever went through many mass extinctions and survived the sea dragons are considered a bony fish mm-hmm. so you know all of these and like I said, they, they just adapt rapidly. Now, seahorse, sea dragons obviously is going to be a lot harder as far as their evolution history because there are so few of them in a very specific region in Australia. Right. So don't have a lot of stuff on that, but seahorse evolution, there are some fossils that they have found. Now, the evolution of these seahorses and sea dragons started in Australia and Asia. Oh, interesting. So, you know, Australia is kind of moving up, right? The Australian continent and crashing into Asia. So they think. I did not know that. I mean, it makes sense, but. Yeah. So about 25 million years ago, it, when Australia collided with like New Guinea, it kind of raised the sea. Uh, And so it's made it shallower. And so now all of a sudden you had all these seagrasses that were kind of rising up. And so that really allowed seahorses to evolve. You know, these, these pipe fish that were there evolved into seahorses. And then, you know, eventually seahorses have their prehensile tails where sea dragons don't. Right. You know, there's some, at some point around then this common ancestor split between seahorses and sea dragons. But again, we don't, we don't know. We, mm-hmm. we don't know because there's just not a lot of evidence. And like you said, there's only 30 scientists studying this. So that's crazy. You know, it's not a lot of people know about it, but. You know, it's interesting. You know, it, they do have a history. People are studying pipefish and, and stuff. So, you know, I have a nice little graphic I'll put on the, the show notes that kind of talked about this in the link to the article. If you're interested more, you know, the sea dragons are probably a little bit more ancient. I don't know. I'm kind of extrapolating because their common ancestor was kind of sternal, like a sea dragon. Ah, uh, okay. Where seahorses are more upright. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Who knows? We, uh, you know, that's just a, a hypothesis at this point on mine. Now, sea dragons are bigger than seahorses. I did find the largest seahorse. Oh, it's not in history, but sure. The big belly seahorse, and it was found. Where can you find it, Angie? Where do you think? Mm, Florida. No, other side of the earth. Uh, Indonesia. No, they're close. New Zealand, <laughs> Australia, New Zealand. <laughs> you guys get lots so, of cool stuff in your ocean. Ah, we have tons. That's ah, amazing down here. There's so much cool biology. Uh, you know, they, they get about 35 centimeters, 14 inches, That's pretty big, but yeah. sea dragons are still big. Yeah. It's a big seahorse. So there are big seahorses out there. So Angie, did you find any of it or anything on how long they live? The only thing I saw was in captivity. Some can live up to nine years. I read, a, I read about seven, about five. Mm-hmm. And okay. in the wild, okay. they don't know. Uh, some divers, I was watching a video of a diver that's been just independently uh, look looking at and keeping track of leafies. That's what they call uh, le- uh, leafy sea dragons, mm-hmm. leafies. And he, he's been watching a pair that had been around in, of course, this is in the ocean, right? Uh, for right. seven years. So, but in the wild, okay. I, I don't think okay. they know. Exactly. Yeah. How mm-hmm. long? How mm-hmm. long? Now it's interesting because South Australia, I mean, that water's not warm. I mean, the water off New Zealand is not warm. It, it you know, the creeks, oh my God, they're freezing. Everything's freezing here. It's, so South Australia is not warm. Yeah. So it's not tropical. It's huh. not. It's, oh, it's kind of okay. like where I'm at, you know, near Auckland. So these like the water temperatures 14 to 19 C or 50, 58 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So, okay, yeah, that's not when, yeah, you always think of, you know, warm water with seahorses and no, reefs that's, and stuff. No, that's wet. Yeah, that's wetsuit for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe two yeah. wetsuits. Yeah. No, uh, the, the tropical portions of Australia is more the northern, you know, the northern mm-hmm. coast, the Gold mm-hmm. Coast, up uh, Brisbane, north and, and whatnot. The, like you said, they, they do like five to 15 or 16 to 50 feet 
Okay. So there you go. Right. So 50 feet dive, Ange, is feet. pretty deep. <laughs> it's pretty deep. Five-story house. Here. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. five to 15 feet. That's not a problem. I'll just snorkel years. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Oops>. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag mom brain. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. You had a busy day with the boys. The They, they have seen some as, as deep as 30 meters or 100 feet. So Yeah, that's deep. You know, okay. they... they now, what's interesting with the video, the one I was looking at, it's these two divers that are looking for the sea dragon. Mm-hmm. And they finally find one. They're looking in the kelp bed. They're looking in the kelp bed. And they find one. And that's interesting because females have their territory is roughly, if it's similar like seahorses, about 100 square meters or 328 feet. So that's okay. pretty big. Yeah, that's, that's pretty a big, big territory. Male territory is about 50 square meters. So they overlap a lot. Right. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when you're diving for them or looking for them, you're not going to see, you know, a hundred sea dragons in one location. No. One here, one over there, there. one over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're really spread out. Now I did have to look this up because I knew I was excited to to ask, what do you call a group of seahorses or dragons? Hmm. A herd? Yeah, geez, that was too easy. Boo. Yes, a herd. A herd of seahorses. You're talking that to the horse girl cute. over here. I know. Uh, I thought it was funny though. Yeah, they Although, do call them a I herd. I guess with the dragons, maybe I'd call it like a scare of dragons or I don't know. We could, there's stuff. Yeah, there's a fun group stuff of dragons. You could do that. Yeah. Well, I got a list of dragons at the end, so we'll pick another one and then we'll, we'll see what, what cool names. Awesome. Uh, they come up with. Yeah. These have really no known predators. I guess they've evolved again. Because nobody really can defenses. see them. I mean, how, 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 well, you can, yeah. a predator can't find them. They camouflage so well. So yeah. probably they're, or own, if they do attack them, right? They have all you these. You said earlier. Yeah. They have, besides the appendages, they have some spines. Was it spines? Yeah. Yeah. And armor. Yeah. And armor. Mm-hmm. So it protects it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I read about predation with them is the young could be eaten by sure. the fish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a problem of Which any, any young fish out there <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I know. God. And then I would, it's I mean, like probably uh, humans and... are probably, there are definitely a threat of, or were a threat of theirs. Uh, they were being snatched up for aquariums left and right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. but we'll talk about a little bit more on conservation, but the Australian gover- government stood up and put the kaputs on that. Thank you, Australia. Between you yes. and your platypus and your sea dragons. Yeah, they those don't mess ones around, we, man. Yeah, we want to see those. It's and, and the salty crocs. We gotta do salty crocs. There are alligators. That would be, yeah, that would be that would be fun. Yeah, everything but, yeah, in Australia so, will kill you except these guys. <laughs> yeah. Well no, Chris, the story is really interesting. When there wasn't a lot known about these guys, I don't know how many years back. Um, you know, twenty, thirty, forty years back, mm-hmm. probably thirty years back. Divers would a lot often see these sea dragons and keep them as pets. Mm-hmm. Obviously lovers of the ocean. These are the, once again, if you haven't already Googled them, hope if you're driving, you haven't, you'll wait till you get, yeah. get parked somewhere, but, yeah. uh, or, or look at our show notes, but they're gorgeous. They're stunning. And so I can understand why people would be tempted to do that. But because of that, um, the IUCN had listed them as near threatened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was in response to the IUCN or just in general. In 1996, the Australian government's Department of Environmental Heritage said that the leafy sea dragon is now completely protected in South Australia because of mm-hmm. the demand for these guys in aquariums. And mm-hmm. it basically mm-hmm. threatens their existence. So mm-hmm. kudos to the South Australian yeah. government down there. And so since then, just, I think it came out in 2017, I want to say, Chris, or 2016, yeah. the IUCN bumped them down, I guess, to least concerned. Right. Which right. is awesome. This is, I mean, this place. is, yeah. we don't, there's not a lot of feel good stories that you and I get to share such as this. And this yeah. is an amazing example of people not being really educated and understanding, you know, it's a, if one person takes an animal, and puts into an aquarium, not a big deal. Right. But if everybody does it, and the and these guys only live in this small little niche of just you know South yeah, Australia, and they, they die within a few years. Yeah, you know. And, and the other thing too, it's important to note with the, the leafy sea dragons, sea dragons in general, but especially the leafies. I don't think they've successfully bred um, when living under human care, even in aquariums that are professionals. Mm-hmm. 
that work with them. So, uh, I think it's, right. yeah, it's just, uh, it's a really interesting story and in a heartwarming story where the government acted and divers totally resp- respected yeah. it because they became educated about it. Yeah. And, and I think also they're realizing too, yeah. oh, heck, these guys are so awesome. We can probably make some money sharing instead yeah, of like ecotourism. Yeah, yeah. Instead of taking them yeah. out of their habitat, we can bring people as long as they, you know, follow the rules and are respectful, mm-hmm. respectful of them and don't exploit them. We can bring people to their habitat and, and right. get to enjoy them indefinitely, you know? So. Well, and it just shows, I think, how a government can step in and have a positive benefit to wildlife. Yes. Unlike it, what's going on in the news, you know, uh, they're in the U.S. where they want to deregulate the protections that they Chris, have. Chris, I was in a good mood. So, come on. Come on. All right. Okay. <laughs> just, so these just things. Kidding. Let's, no, let's it talk is. About- <laughs> my, my country needs uh, help right now. They need a lot, yes, a yeah. lot of help. And uh, yeah. especially with our Endangered Species Act being potentially yeah. torn up. So follow Chris and I in the news makes no where sense. I talk a lot more openly about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. The the diet of these is really mice, shrimp, or sh- small shrimps, and other small invertebrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is kind of what they're always hunting for. Now they they will eat about thirty to fifty times a day. Is what I read. They don't have teeth, but this was cool. I it again how evolution works. These long snouts have a purpose, and really what it is is they they shoot it into crevices, maybe in in those kelp beds in between, you know, so, somewhere the kelp's growing or whatnot, and they go in and use it like a vacuum cleaner and suck up their food. <laughs> and their snout can actually enlarge a little bit to get bigger, like a snake, you know, when a snake. Oh, eats. that's so cool. So that, I just imagine these little guys just. <laughs> You know, sucking up all these little shrimps or whatever. They else are seriously the cutest things on earth. I, you might be, I think, like you said, they probably are the most beautiful, ornate species that we have covered to date. Yeah. I mean, I know there's some insects that are just like, wow. And they have some really cool stuff. The, the birds of paradise, probably in my opinion, one of the most beautiful birds. Yeah. I was going to say, we, there's some birds we need to cover that are just take your uh, breath away. Mm-hmm. But. I don't think they can come close to a leafy sea dragon. I just don't. I just, you look at it and I was just like, all right, you win. <laughs> you, <laughs> him, you win. Down. And yeah, you win. You win. Any, any, oh, any of those just... sea dragons. Seahorses are pretty cute too, but yes, no, these, the, the decoration yeah. on them is just incredible. When it's not decoration, it's camouflage. Yeah. It serves a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's biology. I mean, it's biology. That's what's amazing. It's biology it's... at its finest. And, uh, when we get yeah. to people, we'll talk a little bit about mate selection and how, uh, there's some difference, some role reversals with male and females, obviously, right. but we'll, we'll touch right. on that and, uh, and, and, and who has to have right. a prettier dress between, between <laughs> them because all the roles are, all the roles are reversed. The behavior is kind of interesting too. I know you, 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 you couldn't, I mean, obviously you don't have a ton. They don't do a whole lot of interesting things, I guess, besides look gorgeous, but I know, you know, once we get to repro too, some of the repro behavior is incredible as far as, you know, dedication to each other. Yeah. Sure. Well, and I think, and I mean, obviously it's important to note the seahorses mm-hmm. or sea dragons in general are, they're really difficult to study in the wild because of their ability to blend mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. chameleons basically and in their surroundings. But obviously studying them when they, you know, living under human care from the divers. And I mean, people have looked at them and yeah, like Chris said, it probably looks like they're not doing a lot. Uh, these leafy appendages aren't used for swimming. So in order to move, they use these two mm-hmm. fins in the pector one, uh, two, one pectoral and one dorsal. Uh, but they, I mean, obviously they have some feeding behaviors like Chris said, and they have been known to swim alone or in pairs. And I was trying to, for the reproductive research behavior, I was trying to learn more about that. And yes, we don't know much about leafies with that. But interestingly enough, uh, one of the guy that I, the video that I was watching who dives with them all the time for seven mm-hmm. years there, he named, they have names and there is a couple that's been like pretty much monogamous right. for seven yeah. years. So, I think they're, we're just starting to learn more about mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And I know with typically with seahorses, they will, um, they will be monogamous, monogamous just for a season. Mm-hmm. 
for like a, you know, they don't, uh, they're not, they're not polyandrous. They don't have lots of, or are poly gynus. What would it, um, there's not lots of women coming in and laying <laughs> yeah, eggs. It's not, yeah. They're not, it's not a, a, a free for all, right? They're, they're just one, one on one, one on no. one, right? One on one. One on one. Uh, so, but it can, it was seahorses that switches during different breeding seasons. Mm-hmm. So, but we, yeah, there's a lot we don't know about sea dragons. And so therefore we need more than these 30, this is 30 scientists studying seahorses. Right. I don't even know if there's an, honestly, I think there's, I'm sure there's people studying uh, leafy sea dragons that I'm just not as aware mm-hmm. of. Um, but I did find scientists in 2017, studying weedy sea dragons. Mm-hmm. They're like cousin Common, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were, and, and those guys were out of uh, New South Wales, Victoria, and Tasmania. Mm-hmm. They're basically using the marine equivalent of facial recognition software hmm. to photograph and track these weedy sea dragons off the coast of New South Wales. That's cool. Uh, Victoria and Tasmania, yeah. because they know that their numbers are down. And once again, there's not a ton of researchers so they basically use citizen science and, of course, their own scientists, too, to take pictures of the weedy sea dragons and then trying to help get a count to see if any of them were repeat or not repeat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that way you don't have to put a tag on it. You don't have to handle it. It's really, uh, once, you know, technology meets wildlife conservation, which is the stuff that you know, we can do now is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So it basically, yeah, the, these photos act like a fingerprint for these weeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so, it's like it's a few weeks ago we had, I think Jesse brought it up or it was one I talked to him about using AI. So mm-hmm. in animal behavior studies, I don't know if you remember that, but the, the camera traps, they just to jump in about how technology is helping. It takes thousands of, of man or woman hours going through all mm-hmm. these images and identifying species and things oh, like yeah. that. They're developing AI software that can do it in minutes rather than hours, you know, like thousand hours or whatever it is. It, it will do it super quick and go through and count and be absolutely correct. So using facial recognition software with sea dragons, that's yeah. amazing. And I, and I actually stand corrected. They're not, um, I believe it's just the scientists that are currently for the next two years are involved in the program. It's not open mm-hmm. to other people at this point. Right, um, right. But still, it's really, really cool. And the reason a lot of this, uh, a lot of this project was endorsed is because the amount of dra- sea dragons is declining. There's actually a popular mm-hmm. dive site off of, um, it's called Barney. Baron Joey Head, Baron Joey Head mm-hmm. in Sydney's northernmost point, and it's called Dragon Alley. But mm-hmm. the species is like not even really around there anymore. Right. So I right. think that's where scientists said, "Hey, we better start counting these guys and paying more attention to them." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and hopefully with not only with them studying and taking more photos of weedy sea dragons, just in general, hopefully they'll be learning more too about their behavior. And where, right. you know, where they are currently, where the populations are at. Cause every little bit, obviously every little bit helps. But, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. But Chris, drum roll, what we mm-hmm. do know mm-hmm. about seahorses <laughs> and yes. thus sea dragons is yes. they're very, very unique reproduction. They're mating, yes. a, they're mating yes. occurs during the summer months, which is our winter months, uh, summer months in, Aust- yes. in, in Australia. It's winter right now. It is winter. It's getting warmer though, mm-hmm. a little bit today. So, this, so it's, yeah, it's, the, it's the like, sea dragons yeah. are not mating right now. However, mm-hmm. they, it is very unique. It is. It is. And to, you know, we're, again, we're always PG 13 when we get to repro. It's, you know, the mate, normal mating strategy. For most animals. Now, there are some differences, like say fish. A female will go, the, the, the two fish will mate. So the female will lay the eggs, the male will lay the sperm on top of the eggs, they fertilize, now you have fertilized eggs. That happens in some amphibian species. But you go from insects all the way up the, the chain, most mating strategies are the males depositing their gametes inside the females. Correct. Where her eggs are, that become fertilized and, you know, like copulation, things like that. That is their normal breeding strategy. Mm-hmm. It is completely reversed in pipefish, seahorses, and sea dragons. 
Yes. The female deposits her eggs in the male's brood pouch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she- then he'll fertilize them there. Yeah. Yeah. She uses what's it called an ovipositor to mm-hmm. make sense to de- deposit her ova into the male. And, and so for male seahorses, they have like a special, it's called a brooding pouch. That kind of, mm-hmm. I, I like that name. Yeah. I know. I know. That provides. Makes you think of, makes you think of the kangaroos. Yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but they, it's like on their belly area, basically. And mm-hmm. it's a pouch that provides protection, gas exchange, osmoregulation, mm-hmm. and even some amount of basically Provisioning for the embryos developing inside during the quote unquote gestation nutrients, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. This, so he's pregnant. Base, yes. He's pregnant. Yes. I mean, he's basically pregnant. Not, <laughs> he's pregnant. And what Chris, what I came across is the fact that yes, he, the father provides energy rich lipids and calcium for these, mm-hmm. uh, uh, these eggs that are obviously, you know, little tiny seahorses mm-hmm. are forming in the brood pouch. And the other thing, Chris, that was just blew my mind, and I need more time to study this, so we might have to do part two, just seahorse reproduction for <laughs> for dorks like ourselves. It's crazy. But it's crazy. The male, it was crazy. check this out. You're a blood flow guy. The male keeps blood flowing right. around the embryos. He controls the salt, the salt mm-hmm. concentrations in the pouch, and he provides oxygen and nutri- nutrition through basically a placenta-like structure until he gives birth. I mean, and he actually, it's insane. And he it's actually insane. Has like contra- he, he has like contractions for up to 12 hours to like <laughs> shoot these little babies out of his belly. <laughs> he is super dad. There's, yes, you, now, there's nobody else on earth. This guy is super dad. Totally super. This family yeah. is super family. The sea yeah. dragons, mm-hmm. uh, seahorses and pipefish. Now keep in mind, we've, I've been talking about the sea horse. Right. generically speaking because right, the right. sea dragon's a little bit different okay mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of a pouch and chris I'll, I'll, there's a video you'll have to put on our show notes because i just like mm-hmm. watched it and was like had my mind blown uh, but yeah, instead, of a pou- yeah. instead of the pouch the sea uh the seahorses have male sea dragons have like a spongy broody patch on the underside of the tail mm-hmm. where the females when they deposit their bright pink eggs during mating season and then the male dragons wrinkle their tails and turn it into like little tiny cups. It almost looks like suction cups holding it, oh, each wow. individual okay. egg. Mm-hmm. And for sea dragons, the leafy sea dragon, the female is going to deposit about 200 embryos on the surface mm-hmm. of his tail. And mm-hmm. the offspring stay there for four to six weeks. Until they hatch. It's and, so long too. For, and that process, for this poor super dad, that process, wait for it, several mm-hmm. days. Uh, <laughs> hey, like, come here, buddy. <laughs> I should, I mean, I, I shouldn't feel too bad for him. Um, def- uh, there's so many directions we could take. I was going to say, both of my births not... took, depending on what your definition of yeah. several dr- days are, but my, mine took, I would uh, say, it's not, a couple it's days. not giving birth like, Human no, women or no, most mammals, but it is. So. I mean, you know, he, yeah, he, this, the male has like all these capillaries on his tail, then they swell mm-hmm. and they wrinkle and they basically make egg cups. And it's just, you know, I'm sitting here thinking as a scientist, why, right? I mean, just the biology well, behind Chris, it. I, you the answer I, I didn't find, and I guess I, for, I always forget, I go down one road and then I forget the road mm-hmm. I did not go down, and I wish I would have now, but. I don't know how the male's sperm is getting then to these, to these eggs. Like, where's it coming out of? You know, does he have like a, you know, what is like a penis like structure? Obviously not. And then, and down by the tail, it makes a little more sense. But like when they're actually in the, in the, for the seahorse, I guess, anyways, science, you, 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 you get one answer and then you have like, 14 more questions. That's the story of my life. Anyways, but briefly, once the young are born and young seahorses, do you know what they're called? 
Uh, foals? <laughs> close, close. A, a fry. A, a fry. fry. Oh, yeah, fish fry. A, oh, yeah. A fry, fry yeah. of sea dragons or seahorses. Yeah. Once they're born, okay. uh, their yolk sac that they, uh, provides, uh, nutrients for the first couple of days. But mm-hmm. they, the newborns can swim and hunt successfully. And they, you know, and they grow a little bit each year. But yeah, what I really want to touch on though is that if we think about this reversal, like you said, male pregnancy. Now, mm-hmm. Technical sea dragon experts will, they don't know if a pregnancy is the right term for a dragon. Okay. Okay. As compared to the seahorse. I think in the, in the seahorse scientific community, it's fine to say that the sea, the male seahorse is pregnant. Like that's an Mm -hmm, acceptable mm -hmm. term. But in sea Mm -hmm. dragons, it's questionable. But what we do know is there's definitely obviously a role reversal, a huge, um, and, and sexual related behaviors. And so interestingly enough, the females exhibit a competitive behavior. That's normally what males would have to do. <laughs> and you'll, ah, Chris, this is what you'll like, buddy. Okay. So with that being said, the male ends up being the choosy one. All right. It's about mm-hmm, time. Which I know, which is normally the females. Yes. And can you think of any other really... species where females fight over males? Besides humans, I guess sometimes, but like as far as in the, in the, in the natural world, I can't really think of anything that's like the females will fight over the right well, birds, to mate with a male. Some birds. Okay. Maybe some birds. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah. off the top, I just know that male birds have more of the pretty plumage, right? They're yeah, but they're the attracting that... a female, right? I mean, that's what like the no, birds yeah. of paradise, they're dancing oh, okay. and doing all that crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Sorry. Hashtag mom brain. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I can't think of it either. If anybody knows that they're listening, they could t- let us know. Drop us a line of any. Yeah, I mean, sometimes female the females species. are bigger, and sometimes, and definitely, there's females yeah. that have a lot of male-ish roles. Um, yeah, hyena comes. Hyena to mind. I mean, comes to mind. Yeah. But no, and it's really interesting. I guess hyenas would be one. Okay, maybe. Okay. Oh, and so, and Chris, this is funny. So for yeah. pipefish, yeah, um, they have the ability to use resources differently for broods of offspring. So mm-hmm. pipefish, once again, a little bit different, but the males of this species have been known not to take care of offspring that come from a mother that they're not that particularly fond of. <laughs> Screw you. Isn't that? They're like, I don't like you. You were mean to me. <laughs> we're little babies. We don't make pretty babies. But, <laughs> so yeah, so the males will put more resources into broods from larger, more attractive females. <laughs> And they also, interestingly enough, they also don't put as much effort into ensuring the survival of a brood if they just hatched a successful, healthy brood. So that makes sense. Like the the pressure's down. But that's pipefish. And I think they're all, obviously, once again, they're a little bit more studied. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's some of those behaviors may be probably observed at least, you know. Right. And, but once again, from a, from an evolutionary or biology, ecology standpoint, these, Sea dragons, um, seahorses and pipefish are really exciting to study as far as like a sex role reversal. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. such a unique opportunity to understand sexual selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would, that's, and we're just, especially with leafy sea dragon or sea dragons in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just at the very tip of even. Right. Understanding what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It's, you know, it always comes down to funding too, but you know, it's, with conservation, I mean, you know, again, the oceans are in crisis. Luckily, the sea dragons aren't under severe threat, but they still, the, the, you know, they are being poached. I mean, private trade still, mm-hmm. you know, being collected for people, that, you know, uh, people's aquariums, which is horrible. Well, and yeah, yeah, the other thing that's really important to know with life cycle, Chris, is I know at least with seahorses. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, of course, we don't have statistics on dragons, yeah. but these little horse fry offspring that are born, only one mm-hmm. in about a thousand survive to adulthood. Oh, wow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rough life for being a baby fish. It's yeah, rough. It's, it's rough. rough. Little Nemo. Yeah. Little Nemo. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have a picture. I don't know if you saw this one. Did you see the one with the seahorse and holding on to the cotton swab? It kind of made the I rounds. I did. That makes my stomach yeah. churn. I'm lo- I know. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, that is to me... That's why I think that picture is so powerful. It, it is. just it shows what's going on in the oceans, and so these obviously are still a threat too, because you know it's what's even though Australia 
waters are pretty clean. You know, you don't have this great garbage patch like you do in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Still, you know, there are chemicals, things that are going on in Florida, right? You just mentioned it before we start recording. Uh, you know, the algae bloom yes. and that's killing off a lot of animals turtles, there. Like manatees, manatees and turtles. fish. Yeah. Probably tons of seahorses. We just don't, you know, yeah. they're, they're not making, they're not making the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, we got it. We got to keep uh, supporting the oceans and organizations that work to protect these species. Oh, absolutely. And definitely the first one that I want to highlight today for sure is called Project Seahorse. Just like it sounds, projectseahorse.org. They have a great, beautiful website. Oh man, their pictures are incredible and a very interactive website. And of course they're on Facebook. They have a nice Facebook presence as well. But Project Seahorse is a marine conservation organization dedicated to securing a world in which marine ecosystems are healthy and well-managed, of course, for seahorse and other animals to live in. And they have three main aims. They want to save seahorses. So obviously we can all get behind that. They want to secure the world's shallow seas and they want to train conservationists. So that's an amazing um, mission. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of research in both seahorse biology and ecology, which is clearly very important, habitat and marine protected areas. They uh, do research with small scale fisheries and non-selective fisheries. And of course they focus a lot on trade and policy, right? Because policy is Mm -hmm. huge. And I was just really, really impressed by not only all the work that they do. I don't have obviously time to list everything. So check out their website. They have a newsletter, um, click the donate button. But throughout the years since they've been in existence, they have done a lot. They've uh, developed research and man- management options to drive recovery of actual seahorse populations around the world. So they're mm-hmm. global. They're not just in one location. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. seahorses, uh, live all in oceans all over the world and they they protected a lot of different areas and they've empowered coalitions of many poor fishing families in Asia to help them out financially. And they have of course, um, worked with groups that are fighting against the basically Chinese medicine and consumption, um, medicinal trade and, uh, and then they've done a lot with policy and regulations for marine fish and exports globally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they that's a good one. Yeah, and yeah. for all for everybody listening too, uh, if you check out Project Seahorse, they have a lot of citizen science options. So oh, you could oh, potentially cool. get involved as well, and they have different ways to go about doing that. So. And they love seahorses. Yeah, it's always nice. Yeah, it's nice if you're like you're a diver, you know, you listen to this podcast and you like see a seahorse, you could go to Project Seahorse. I bet you that's probably one of the things that Absolutely. they do. And you report yeah. it and what it looked like. And that way they can start tracking some population. And they have a lot, just a lot of education on there about why I care about seahorses. I mean, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. easy as once you see them, how cute they are. Yeah. But yeah, and it's yeah. like it'd be lots of tips and, and clues and how to get involved. So please check them out for sure. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. them on Facebook and save seahorses. Yay. And sea dragons. Yes. I yes, couldn't yes, find yes. a, I couldn't find a yes. sea dragon specific site. So, um, somebody needs to start one and yeah, I know. <laughs> and let me know. But what I did find that I thought was, um, was kind of cool is that S E A aquarium. So spell C, but it's S E A aquarium mm-hmm. marine life park in Singapore. They are part of the world resorts, oh, I gotta the resorts go there. worlds in, and Sentosa. And yeah. So just real quick, oh, sorry, Singapore, just because I've been talking about it a couple weeks ago and our friends from Florida visited and the wife always, uh, she travels to Singapore and I'm like, Oh, we got to meet you there. Singapore, you know, it's a city that's its own little, entity mm-hmm. right country and it is like so green and like at the end of if planet earth too angie i don't know if you saw it yet but the end they they talk about humans effects singapore they're growing these buildings with trees in them awesome like on the out on their porches trees and put plants so they're making these eco-friendly buildings oh that's amazing so yeah singapore's a i gotta yeah, go yeah well you go should there. go there because so weedy sea dragons, that's the other one we talked about a little bit on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Only a limited number of aquariums worldwide have been able to breed them under human care. 
Currently, mm-hmm. there are no reports of leafy sea dragons being able to breed under human care. But currently, the team at the sea, S-E-S-E-S.E.A. Aquarium Marine Life Park in Singapore mm-hmm. is currently attempting to replicate the precise conditions found in their natural environment in order to develop a successful breeding program to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. So, and then they also have a nice Facebook presence called Guardians of the Sea. And that's S. E-A-A. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when you go there, check them out. And and the aquarium is supposed to be one of the largest and biggest and best in the world, which is probably why they're tackling oh, wow. okay. this mission to try to uh, breed leafy sea dragons. And and so hopefully yeah. in the future they'll have good success doing about that because that will help in their conservation yeah, efforts. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, speaking of conservation efforts, I think this, you know, we can – I always, whenever we do ocean, I always think, you know, okay, what can I – suggest to help, you know, conserve and conserve water. So this week I was kind of thinking, focus on the yard. You know, if, if you do live in a place where you have a yard or even if you have potted plants, you know, on, on a deck somewhere, say you live in an apartment building and you have potted plants. So some of the things you can do to help reduce water loss. And so I know Angie's got a pretty good yard there. So I expect you and John to be busy next weekend because you should be <laughs> mulching around your trees and plants. So instead of just okay. bare soil, that Makes sense. that will Keeps the moisture yeah in. yeah protects the moisture. That way you don't have to water as often, and helps protect that. I go you know in the United States we go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy the big bags of mulch. They're cheap, and you know spread it around. It made it look pretty. You know things like that. So that that will help. Here's some yeah yeah here's some tips. Yeah maybe John should be listening to this one. So water your lawn only when needed. Now most no, lawn- we don't need it here. Yeah, I know. We're lucky. I know because it rains so much too. But most lawns only need one inch or two point five centimeters per week. I did not know that. So one inch of rain or water per much. week. Okay. Mm-hmm. So or two point five centimeters for friends outside the U.S. Now I didn't know this either. How do you know if your lawn needs to be watered? Well, if you go step on it, okay, and if it springs back up, you don't need to water it. There's plenty of moisture. If it stays flat, then you probably need to water your lawn. Okay. That means they're thirsty. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Also, mow above three inches or 7.5 centimeters. It drives me crazy here in New Zealand. Like, especially with our, you know, we're renting, we have to mow all the time and everybody cuts their lawns so short here. It's like, oh yeah, that's no good. Yeah. It's like carpet grass. Uh, No, it's got to be three inches or more. That helps. you know, preserve water and moisture. Correct. So there yeah. you go. Mulch. That's great. So I want you and John mulching this weekend. <laughs> if you guys are feeling good, you know, uh, and water the lawn only when needed, you know, one inch per week or 2.5 centimeters. So there yes. you go. And if, and especially if you live, I think in a drought type place, looking mm-hmm. to, to natural plants and grass species that don't need much water to begin with. Right. Native then that species, way you don't yeah. have to keep, yeah, that native species, that way you don't have to keep up with the Joneses, right? Yeah. It's uh. like, you know, I think, uh, you know, especially like a decade ago and seeing Las Vegas there in Nevada in the U S desert and people just watering, watering, watering like crazy. Yeah, and they're in this goofy. drought and yeah. I know Lake Mead got like dangerously low and it's just, yeah. Yeah, let, somebody you know, needs to come up with some. If, if you're that desperate for grass, like out in the desert, yeah. somebody needs to come up with some like synthetic, <laughs> yeah, plastic grass. Like, whatever. yeah, don't you don't need a lawn in no. the desert. Make a little natural landscape. You know, that exactly. kind of makes sense. All right, so the question: dra- How many dragons are there, Angie? Oh, do I? How many play? can do you I name? Okay. Yeah, how many can you name? Let's see on my list. Well, okay, so there's, I mean, there's the leafy sea dragon. Okay, you the- got sea dragons one. Okay, do each species count or no? Just sea dragons. Yeah, there you go. It's the sea dragons. That, okay, dragons so, is there's okay. one. A dragonfly. Okay, two. Um, I used to take care of at the zoo bearded dragons. Bearded dragons. Is I love three. my bearded dragons. Oh, okay. they had such personalities. Yeah. And then Komodo dragon. There you go. Okay, I was waiting. Like there you go, Doctor. And Angie. I feel like I'm out. Yeah, okay, that's fine, because those are the ones I knew about, you know, okay. so that's fine. So Komodo Dragon, that's the one my son, I'm, he, he always goes, I wish dragons were real, and I'm like, they are, ha, ha, ha. 
And he's always like, not that one, because I was selling Komodo Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That one's, we've got to Which, cover that one. That one's pretty, I've yeah. got to, I've got to meet, uh, Komodo Dragon up in personal. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And they only live on the Komodo Island. Like it's that one area on earth, but they're pretty, pretty nasty. Now, bearded dragons, like you said, sometimes people keep them as pets. They're from Australia. Dragonflies are everywhere. I love dragonflies. Except Antarctica. So they're okay. not in Antarctica. Fun fact. Yeah, I didn't know cold. that. Now, the, the, the reason they become, they're called dragonflies, this was a, a little nice factoid, is because in England, they looked at them and it's the way they fly and they fly kind of like zipping around their acrobatics ah. and they're catching their prey. So they thought that looked like a dragon. That's where they got their name, dragonfly. Uh, Chris, very interesting. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I like it. All right. Now here's a couple other ones. Dragon snake. No. Nope. Yeah. Which looks really cool. Indonesia, Malaysia, scales are like a dragon. Hmm. The, this one, oh my God, the shocking pink dragon millipede from Southeast Asia. Wow. Looks gnarly. I bet. Looks gnarly. Put a picture up for yeah, sure. Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, stay away from me. You know, I'm poisonous. But pink, so pink. Don't eat me. And poisonous. Yeah. I love it's, it. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty that. Now the flying dragon. Mm, I don't know. Do you remember that one? I've saw, I've seen this one. I don't know if it's in planet earth like a squirrel? two or the first planet earth. No, it's a, it's a, it's a lizard okay. that, that glides. Oh. It has membranes. Okay. And so it jumps out of the tree, like, especially when it's escaping predation uh-huh. and glides oh. down like a flying squirrel. Okay. I th- maybe I, may, yeah. I feel like I can kind of picture that. Okay. I think it was in, I think cool. it was planet earth too. They, they had a yeah, thing on that. A flying dragon. A lizard. Yeah. All yeah. Right. It's called flying dragon. Dragonettes, which is a fish. No, pretty pretty. Okay. It's, it's pretty elaborate. Kind of like, you know, the, um, the sea dragons. Maybe. Now this one looks scary and it's from the deep sea in the Atlantic and it's called the black dragonfish. It's okay. one of those crazy eel looking crazy jaws with the big teeth, big <laughs> eyes, just nasty. Maybe next time Rourke asks, maybe show him that one. Be like, yeah, I found it, buddy. Like I found it. <laughs> All right. So that, that's, that's it. You know, for us, thank you to our Patreon subscri- subscribers. You know, thanks, mom. Visit us there. Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, you know, all the messages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you. Oh, you can follow please us. keep them coming. They're so wonderful. They really, yeah. they're really inspiring and and keep us uh, wanting to keep fighting the good fight and yeah, having yeah, fun with yeah. this podcast weekly. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And visit us allcreaturespod.com. You know, but thanks for for joining us. Sea dragons, amazing. Like just wow. The prettiest, got, I know, I, the prettiest thing we've covered yet. I will. Yeah, I have yeah, to agree with okay. Chris on that. All right. All right. So send us a, you know, tell us first, you know, besides hyenas, any other female mate, you know, I know or females fighting over males. That's the homework for the listeners. Okay. And then, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, any prettier animal on earth than a sea dragon. Ooh, there's Post a, a challenge. Yeah, put that, put that on Facebook too. That's a really good challenge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- show us the prettiest animal on earth. And it's not a naked mole rat. I will tell you that. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, Corbin uh, had naked mole rats on uh, Good Morning America or whatever one he goes on all the time. Oh, he did? He yeah, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, did, oh. he was pretty cool. He was he was promoting them. And I don't know if his, um, I don't know if the people on there fell in love with him, but uh, he did a good job uh, attempting to make them. And they were, they were pretty cute. Walking around the table. They were pretty cute. <laughs> I think it's, it's our podcast. Thanks, Corbin. Thanks for listening and learning about naked mole rats. And uh, now, go, now get some sea dragons. Yes, sea dragons. <laughs> Good <next>. luck. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.